Hey, thank you for listening. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? I have over 130 different videos. I have videos with more scary stories told in the rain, scary stories by a crackling fire, and I also have videos that are less relaxing and more on the scary side. Go check it out, and please don't forget to subscribe. In the YouTube search bar, just type being scared. All right. Catch you later. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When I was little, like six or seven, I had dreams that I would wake up late at night and see my mom smiling and standing in the darkness of my bedroom, watching me sleep. I would call out to her, but she couldn't hear me. She would just smile and look at me. This was a recurring dream for years, and it was beyond terrifying. When I was about 11, my parents separated, and I went to live with my dad. Although I had told my friends about these dreams, for some reason, I never talked about it with my dad, until this one random night that we were eating dinner. I asked my dad what he thought the dreams meant. He stopped eating and sat there for a minute, and then finally said, You weren't dreaming, buddy. Your mom has had mental problems her entire life. She loves you very much, but you weren't dreaming. She would go into your room and watch you sleep sometimes. This sent a shiver down my spine, and after a minute or two, we resumed eating. That night, while laying in bed, I realized something. Why did my mom not respond when I called out to her? She would just stand there and smile at me. The time this story happened was only a year ago, me being 15 and living with, at the time, just my mom and my 10-year-old brother. My dad was staying somewhere else for the time being. At this time in the story, we were moving from house to house, financially not very stable, but getting by. We had found a house conveniently right next to one of the largest cemeteries in town, and I didn't mind it, but both my brother and my mom found it creepy. The house had three stories if you included the basement. Something about that basement scared me. It always felt like something or someone was down there. And that whole year we lived there, I never stepped foot down there. Not once. To give some context, my room was upstairs. There were three rooms up there, and I'll tell you how it looked for the sake of the story. There was the staircase that went up to a landing and then a smaller staircase leading to the second floor. My room was the first thing that you saw. My brother's room was to the right of it, and the extra room was to the left. My mom kept the extra room locked, saying that it was unsafe to be in there. Everything about this house felt wrong. According to both of my parents, the house was extremely old, being built in the 1800s. 
It was freaky. All the doors had those creepy old keyholes, and the way that the house was structured seemed unnatural and weird. The turns and placement of rooms was odd, only making the house seem creepier. I never minded it until this happened. I had been texting my friend Chloe before deciding to set my phone down and finally get some sleep. I don't remember what time it was, but it was late. I fell asleep rather quickly, being worn out from school and stress. However, I'm a light sleeper. Any noise could wake me up. I was turned on my side facing the wall when I heard the loud creaks of the stairs. The steps stopped at the landing, creaking ever so slightly, as if someone was rocking on their feet. I ignored it, but it did make my heart race as I heard the steps begin again, stopping at the top of the stairs. It was probably my brother. No big deal. Closing my eyes, I heard my door creak open, and footsteps come into my room, stopping at the edge of my bed. Someone was standing over me, just watching. A bit freaked out, I did a side glance and out of the corner of my eye, I saw my brother standing over me, and letting out an annoying grunt, I asked, What do you want? There was no response. Sighing and closing my eyes, I rolled onto my side, I opened my eyes to look at him again, and my heart stopped. He wasn't there. Standing up, I trudged to his room, but he wasn't there. No one was there. After that, I felt uneasy as I turned to go back to my room, but I froze. That door that was always locked was open. Did he go in there? I remember going in and grabbing my phone, turning on the flashlight and just standing there, staring at my floor. Something felt so wrong. My gut told me that I wasn't alone. There was someone in there with me and they were not good. Slowly I went to shine my light into the room to see if my brother was there. There was nothing. At this point I heard my heart pounding in my ears as I shut the door, quietly going back to my room. I told myself it was my imagination as I laid back in bed and closed my eyes. I fell asleep eventually, silently muttering prayers under my breath to put my mind at ease. I did question my brother the next morning if he had gone upstairs, but he just told me no. Ever since that night, every night I hear footsteps coming from upstairs, and they stop at my door. I began to have nightmares of a very tall man coming up from the basement and to my door, peering his pale face inside to look at me with his unnaturally wide and terrifying smile. Not only that, but the door that my mom kept locked since then would be found wide open almost every morning I woke up. Something was wrong with that house, and I'm just glad we don't live there anymore. I remember back when I was seven, my family and I moved into a new house. We had only been there for a few months, and our next-door neighbors were constantly fighting. Our houses were fairly close, almost a full arm's length away from one of our windows. One night, as my sisters and I were getting ready for bed, we heard the usual arguing 
and thought nothing of it. The next day after I finished getting dressed for school, I walked outside my front door, and as I was walking up to the front gate, I noticed something to my left in my neighbor's front yard. It was the young woman, just laying on the ground on her back. I vividly remember the way she looked. She was wearing a pink shirt, and her right arm was stretched out towards the fence. My mom came out next and saw her right away. She quickly rushed me and my sisters into the car and dropped us off at school. When I got home that day, there was police tape blocking off the neighbor's house, and that's when I realized that she had been dead. I honestly thought that she had passed out from drinking or something, but she was murdered by her lover, stabbed in the stomach multiple times. I'm originally from Arizona, but I grew up in Nebraska, in a small town about an hour south of the South Dakota border. My life leading up to my living in Nebraska was riddled with abuse and a lot of childhood trauma. My biological father was abusive, and my mother was absent for part of my childhood. I am also bipolar and take daily medication to make my quality of life better because of what happened to me as a child. I currently reside in Oklahoma. To start, I never really experienced anything paranormal growing up. That is until my mom's boyfriend, whom she is still with to this day, came into our lives. He was a good man and ran a small hardware store at which my mom also worked. Before meeting him, she was married to an awful man that did terrible things to me, many of which... I still go to therapy for to this day. After the divorce, we spent a lot more time at her boyfriend's house. The house was built in the early 1900s, and it was absolutely huge and beautiful. She never told us at first that it used to be an old mortuary. Her boyfriend's father, who moonlighted as a mortician, ran the hardware store in town, which was passed down to his son upon his death. Even after telling my brother and I, my brother being 12 and I 15 at the time, that the house was an old mortuary, it never really bothered us. We spent our summers there swimming and playing PlayStation 3, and genuinely having a good time. Quite honestly, the best summers of my teen years. I enjoyed it. The home was warm and inviting. That is, until you got to the basement. The steps leading down to the basement were steep, about ten of them before you reached the bottom. The basement had flooded many times before, so there was no carpet, just cold cement. Immediately to the right was a refrigerator, the washer and dryer, and the cubicle shower, which was flush against the wall and was positioned so it was directly behind you when you came down the stairs. If you walked forward, there were two couches positioned in an L-shape to the right. The longest one pushed against the west wall. To the left were two brick pillars that acted as support beams for the house, spaced five feet apart with a dirty old blanket hanging between them as a shield. Behind the blanket was a vertical rectangle of a room. One half was a wooden workbench of old tools and trinkets, a random toilet that actually worked, and in the far left corner of the rectangle 
was a small pile of remnants from when the house was an acting mortuary. There was a bathtub, no longer operational, piles of wood shelving, and a small metal table on wheels. I always felt anxious going into the basement. I never could figure out why, but the atmosphere down there made me feel uneasy. I would sometimes come down to the basement to get a soda from the refrigerator, and I always had the feeling of static across my back, my neck, and my shoulders. It would make my hair stand on end, and I never walked up the stairs like normal people do. I walked backwards, because there was always the feeling of someone right behind you, making your fight or flight response kick in. It was definitely not my favorite place to be. My first encounter happened when I saw a shadow dart across the wall as I came down to get a soda. I knew the shadow wasn't my own, and I even tried to duplicate it, but I couldn't. The shadow passed along the ground level window almost eight feet up. There's no way it was mine. I left quickly and slammed the door shut behind me, but the main incident that cemented my belief in the paranormal happened when I was 15. I had just gotten back from swimming all day, and I was sunburned and looking forward to rinsing off. But of course, the only shower in the house was, you guessed it, in the basement. I grabbed some clothes and headed down to get it over with. I didn't want to be down there longer than I had to. I grabbed a towel from the wire rack above the washer and dryer, turned on the water, got undressed, and hopped in. The glass in the little shower was tempered, meaning you could see blobs of shapes and colors, but no real definition. I was rinsing off and proceeded to close my eyes and put my head under the stream of water. I moved out of the way, wiped my eyes, and opened them. I froze. Through the glass, I could see someone standing there to the left. My mom was upstairs taking a nap, and my brother was on the second floor playing PlayStation. There would be no reason for either of them to be down there, especially standing still looking at me. I stared at the shape through the glass. That feeling of unease came over me again, but stronger this time. I stood there for a moment, gathering up the courage to open the door. Slowly, I pushed it open, never taking my eyes off of the figure. But when I opened the door, there was nothing. No one was there. I looked around, surveying the area, and when I was satisfied that I was alone, I closed the door, and the figure was gone. I hurriedly finished my shower, threw on a towel, and started to back up, up the stairs. Every step I took, I could feel the sense of unease growing, like an unseen mass filling the room. This happened many more times over the next few years, but I continued to see the shadow. I did my best to ignore it, but the feeling of unease never wavered. I never showered with either the basement door or the shower door closed again. Water on the floor be damned. Last year around this time, I was at a Christmas party at my friend John's house. I didn't really know anyone there and didn't do much talking. Everyone at the party seemed very nice. About an hour after I arrived, we started playing a game called the White Elephant. 
It's where you trade gifts among everyone, and everyone has an opportunity to steal a gift from someone else if they like it more than what they have. I had never played it before, but I'm pretty sure that's how it worked. In the middle of the game, a woman opened an envelope and read a note that was inside. Her face turned red, and she became noticeably very uncomfortable and started looking around and was repeating, This isn't funny. Everyone wanted to know what the note said, and she started to read it out loud, and then stopped. She couldn't do it. She handed the note to a man next to her. His face turned red as well, and he seemed uncomfortable too. Now everyone was demanding to know what it said. He gulped, and started to read the words aloud. I have killed six people. This is not a joke. The room became quiet and deadly serious, when moments before everyone was laughing. There were gasps, and a couple people said things like, Very funny. It was very clear that the joyous mood was now shattered. Some people started yelling and demanding to know who wrote it. I eventually asked to see it, and when it was handed to me, I saw that it was typed. People began to argue very intensely, and I quickly grabbed my coat from the couch in the other room and told John that I was going to take off. He nodded and was trying to calm people down. I walked out the door into the fresh falling snow. I haven't spoken with John too much since then, but I did ask him once if he found out who wrote the note, and he said no, that the party broke up shortly after I left. I often wonder if it really was not a joke, and somebody had confessed in a very twisted way to being a serial killer. During this last winter, my friends and I were doing urbex, and we decided to check out the infamous asylum on the edge of town. For the story's sake, I'll call my friends Steve, Joe, and Richard. We decided to go at night to avoid unwanted attention from the security that patrols the grounds. Driving up to the place, you can truly see what 30 years of abandonment can do to a building. Vines growing up the sides, busted out windows, animals claiming the building as theirs, and of course, the graffiti. Steve parked his car behind some brush to remain hidden from the street. We started to walk to the patient housing and treatment building. Only brightened by the moonlight, we could see the beautiful early 1900s architecture of the four-story building. As our group climbed over the fence, we approached the entrance and put on our respirators. As we opened the old paint-chipped door, we instantly saw a looming staircase that went to the first floor. Once we climbed the stairs, we noticed that it led to the dormitories but the staircase kept going up, three more floors. I came up with the idea to split into two groups so that we could cover more ground and try to find something cool. So Joe and I, the two youngest of the group, decided that we would venture to the second floor while Steve and Richard would explore the first. We told each other good luck and headed up to the second floor. Using our phone's flashlights, Joe and I were able to make out the words patient treatment and offices on the old metal door. To our surprise, it was unlocked, 
and we found ourselves facing a seemingly never-ending system of hallways. Most of the rooms contained those old hydrotherapy bathtubs. We stumbled onto the Urbex gold mine. We were so anxious to explore the rest. I noticed that Joe stopped walking, as if he was listening to something. I said, Joe, what are you... until I was cut off by Joe shushing me. He then pointed to his ear and pointed below us. I stopped to listen and could make out a faint voice of two men humming. I told Joe, it's probably just Steve and Richard. It was at that moment that we both turned our heads to the door that we entered through, and right when we did, the metal door slammed shut with force. Steve? Joe said nervously. The only response that we got was more of the humming, no more than ten yards away. This was our cue to leave. We sprinted down two long winding hallways, and all the while could hear pounding footsteps right behind us. When we got to the end of the hallway, I could make out an old fire exit sign with the glow of my light. Joe and I barely made it to the door and slammed it shut. Through the small busted pane of glass of the door, I could make out three dark figures, at least, ten feet from the door. We found the stairs and pretty much jumped down them and then bursted out the exit. I don't think Joe or I have ever climbed a fence that fast in our lives. We didn't stop running until we got to the car. To our surprise, Steve and Richard were both sitting in the front seats. We screamed to unlock the doors and frantically told Steve to drive away. Steve looked confused driving away, leaving that nightmare of a place behind us. Richard wanted to stop and get coffee, and during this time, they told us what they experienced. As Joe and I went upstairs, Steve and Richard entered the dormitory space. They checked out a couple of rooms, but said that they were all empty, so Steve wanted to call me to check if we found anything cool. But it went directly to voicemail, so Steve and Richard figured that we just left the building. When Joe and I asked if they had heard humming, they just looked at us as if we were crazy. That was the first time I went to that asylum and it will certainly be the last. This all happened about five years ago or so, and in a pretty short time frame. We had been living in our old house for almost three or four years at the time, and we were good friends with the family that lived across the street. The family, or at least the parents, had a bucket list item to move to a European country for a couple years or so. They finally had the means to fulfill their dreams and went for it. However, they didn't sell their house. Instead, they rented it out to a couple different families during their absence and moved back in after they came back. The first family that moved in were nice, if a bit reserved and mysterious. I think they had moved before the end of the school year, so I never got to know them well. The second family, on the other hand, was a different story. The family that moved in had three kids, an infant who isn't important to the story, a girl who I'll call Doris, and a boy who I will call Alex. Being good neighbors, our family introduced ourselves to them and had the normal conversations people have when people move into the neighborhood. The parents seemed nice and all, but as a 12-year-old, 
I was more interested to talk to their kids. Both my sister and I were a few grades above both Alex and Doris. Doris was the older of the two, and was a lot calmer than Alex. She was holding a small conversation with us, while Alex was talking non-stop. I basically only fit in one-word responses to his questions because he talked so much. Eventually, the parent conversation ended, and we went back home. I remember thinking afterward that the kid was nice, but there was a big age difference between us, maybe five years or so, which seems like a lot for kids, and that I wasn't really interested in hanging out with him. Well, of course my parents wanted to be friendly with the neighbors, so anytime Alex and Doris came to our house and asked to play, we were forced to. It wasn't the worst, especially since they had moved in during the summer, and us being so young, we didn't really have anything better to do. We would do the usual kid stuff, like messing around on bikes, or making up some sort of game, but it was more for their enjoyment than ours, because my sister and I were starting to grow out of that stuff. I was in middle school at this point, so when school started up again, I couldn't spend time with Alex as much anymore. I can attest to that being the mindset of children. As the school year continued, it got to the point where I really didn't have time to spend with him, and if I did, I wanted to spend it doing anything else, so I would just lie and say that I was busy. He would proceed with a follow-up question something along the lines of, Why not? My response would always be like, Because I have homework, or something like that. One actual excuse that I used was, I can't because my parents aren't home, which was a rule they hadn't stated. It bothered me that someone would be so nosy like that, and it wasn't just him. Doris would also ask my sister the same follow-up questions as well. We had found out recently that they were from a different country, so we chalked it up to it being a cultural thing. So up until now, it doesn't seem like much, right? But this is where it gets strange. One day, about halfway through the school year, my parents had left me home alone and were gone with my sister somewhere. My parents had trusted me staying home alone for a number of years at that point, so it wasn't too uncommon. As a side note, they tried the babysitting thing one time, but I had no idea why, since by that time I had already proven myself to be responsible at home by myself. I mostly spent my time in my bedroom, I was watching YouTube or browsing some site when I realized that I was getting hungry, so I decided to go grab a snack. Now, my bedroom was at the front of our house, and it sat to the left of the front door from the inside. The kitchen was literally 10 feet from my bedroom to the other side of the front door, so I walked out looking down as I continued to watch YouTube on our family iPad when I looked up towards the kitchen. I jumped and felt my heart stop when I looked through the kitchen doorway. Alex was standing in my house, in the middle of the kitchen. I caught my breath and was able to ask him what he was doing. He simply responded with, I just wanted to ask if I can play with you. I was completely taken back. All I could conjure up as a response was to tell him that my parents weren't home, and that meant that I couldn't play right now. I don't remember his response, but I do remember him walking out of the house, and then I immediately locked the door afterward. There's a few things that really scared me about this event when I think about it in hindsight. The front door in that house, which I guess I forgot to lock, 
is really loud. I hear it every time someone comes and leaves. So if that's how he came in, I don't know how I didn't hear him. The other thing that scares me in hindsight is that he knew where my bedroom was, so I don't know why he went to the kitchen instead of my room. And if he did come to my room, I guess I just didn't notice him. Or maybe he just creepily stared at me before going to the kitchen. Unfortunately, this wasn't the last time he entered our house uninvited. He came in twice more. The second I don't remember well, but I think he entered our back door and just made himself at home in our living room. And on the other time, he tried getting into our house through the backyard because he heard me and some friends hanging out. My mom actually caught him on the third time and talked to his mom after that. There were two other significant incidents that I can remember. First was the last time he tried entering our house uninvited. The difference this time is that he didn't make it in. My sister and I were in the living room home alone when we heard the doorbell ring. I was able to peek out without them seeing and confirm that it was Alex, but this time he was accompanied by Doris. We both didn't have to go through the merry-go-round of explaining why we couldn't play, so we just ignored it and went back to what we were doing. They rang maybe twice more before they seemingly left. I went into the kitchen to grab a snack or something and looked out the kitchen window. I was surprised to see Alex and Doris not walking home, but walking along the side of our house. We had most of our blinds down, but I saw them trying to look in. I was extremely creeped out and suddenly just got this sick feeling, telling me that we needed to hide. I grabbed my sister and we ducked into our laundry room which didn't have any windows, but did have a door to the backyard. A few minutes later we heard the door handle being rattled and pushed for a few seconds before they seemingly moved on. We stayed in there until we were sure they were gone. It was very creepy that they tried to break into our house, but that still was not the worst event. The final time I spent with Alex, we were in a tree in his front yard. I was not, and am still not, a skilled climber, so I just stood on the lowest branch, which was maybe five or six feet off the ground. I had one hand holding a thinner branch that was above me. The branch was not perfectly above the one I was standing on, so I was leaning forward slightly. We were talking about something, and again, he was doing most of the talking. He made his way around the tree above me, and stopped on the branch I was holding, I wasn't really paying attention when he asked me, Hey, guess what? I just looked out to the street below us. What? I replied. Surprise! He said. I felt him shove my hand off the branch I was holding, and I began to fall forward. I quickly reached my other hand up and grabbed the branch just as I began to lose my footing. I remember looking up and asking him why he did that, and he just said something like he was having fun. I cut our time short and climbed down from the tree. As I started walking away from his house, his mom came outside and asked if we needed anything. She then noticed my face and asked if I was alright. I told her what Alex did, but I did not get the response that I expected. Her face went blank and she just went over to him and solemnly and wordlessly brought him inside. His mom's look read something like, It happened again, and there's nothing I can do. From what I can tell, he was never punished. 
Thankfully, they moved away, but only a few blocks, and at the end of the school year. But then we ended up moving a few years later as well, so I never had to see Alex again. I truly believe he is going to do something awful someday to someone. Every moment I ever spent with him, I never really felt safe. His lack of understanding or remorse made no sense, even for a boy his age. I especially fear meeting him again someday, as an adult. The story that I'm about to tell you happened when I was 11 years old, and was one of my first times riding the bus without my parents or my sister. So the day this happened, I was coming home from my school. Now I won't say the exact location for privacy reasons, but to get home from my school, I had to take one bus to get over to my street, and then take one more bus to get home. My parents were at work, and my sister had class after school so I would be alone at home for about an hour. I walked down to the bus stop and got on. Now, since it was a weekday, the bus was pretty crowded, but I was able to find a seat near the back. I was going to be the last stop, so was glad to have the place to sit. After a few stops, the bus emptied out a bit, and a few of the seats around me, including the one next to me, were free. Then, at the next stop... A man who appeared to be about 40 years old got on. I didn't think anything of it and assumed that he would sit in the seats nearer to the front since they were easiest to access. But to my surprise, he looked over to me, walked back, and took the seat right next to me. Now, I was pretty socially awkward, so I wasn't exactly overjoyed, but I didn't want to be rude, so I just sat quietly. At the next stop, the last one before mine. Everyone except for him and I got off. Now he hadn't talked to me yet, but I had a feeling that he had been staring at me for a while. As soon as the bus started up again, he tapped my shoulder to get my attention. Stupidly I turned to look at him, and what he said gave me goosebumps. You know, you shouldn't be out here by yourself. Some people are very bad. Then he stroked my hair and said, You'd probably sell for quite a bit. I was horrified. By this time we were pulling up to the last stop, so I picked up my things and ran out of the bus. I had always thought my neighborhood was safe and had never really been taught about these sort of things, but at the time, I didn't really care. I ran to catch the connecting bus and got on just before it left. I took a seat by the window facing the sidewalk and leaned against it, trying to catch my breath. While the bus was driving away, I looked back and saw the man from the bus just standing on the curb watching me with the biggest and creepiest grin on his face. My mom is really good friends with one of the wealthiest people in our town. They have a daughter, my age. I don't have a crush on her or anything, but my mom had pushed me to ask her out before, but I never did. Here's the weird thing about the situation. My mom and this friend, along with her daughter, 
all kind of act like their friend. Like a bunch of high school girls getting together to gossip. My mom works in a beauty salon, so I guess I understand why she likes to act that way, but it's still pretty weird nonetheless. There was one specific occasion when this woman and her daughter were going to visit New York City. They decided to invite my mom for some reason. I don't understand why. I guess they really were better friends than I had previously believed. But my mom decided to say yes, so it was just me and my dad at the house. But here was the thing. They didn't have a dad at home. Their house was going to be completely unsupervised for the entire weekend. I was in my early 20s at the time, so I guess they thought it would be a good idea to ask if I would watch the house for them, which I agreed to do. I didn't get paid or anything, but they said I was allowed to eat as much food as I wanted, and considering they were rich as hell, I thought, why not? This also gave me an opportunity to write some short stories. I think it was that Friday night when I was watching their house. They told me they had two cats, but they were really scared of strangers and I was probably not going to see either one of them the entire night. This didn't bother me. I just had to make sure that they had food and water, which I did. I was chilling at the kitchen table pounding the keys on my laptop on my latest story, when all of a sudden, I saw something out of the corner of my eye. I looked up from my computer to notice the ugliest cat that I had ever seen in my life. Just imagine a hairless cat, but also morbidly obese and cross-eyed. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. Any one of those traits, individually, would have made a cat kind of cute, but seeing them all thrown on one pitiful excuse for a pet made me want to bust a gut laughing. I felt kind of bad for laughing so hard at this girl's cat, but it's not like I hurt it or anything. That had been a good break from writing, but then I got back into it. I remember being in the middle of writing a really interesting scene. This ghost was abducting the protagonist of the story. It's kind of a psychological thriller, with a little bit of paranormal thrown in there. It's very spiritual and weird. I'm kind of a weird person. But that scene still sticks with me, because as I was writing it, I noticed something outside. There was a man in a hooded sweatshirt walking around. I sat at the kitchen table, stunned. I didn't know what to do. I felt adrenaline burst through my veins. Fight or flight. Well, I figured that my car was outside, so running wasn't going to do me much good. And after a minute of rationalizing the situation, I had no proof that this person was out to do anything bad. For all I knew, this could have been a jogger. I got up close to one of the windows to watch this man. He seemed to be sneaking around. He wasn't coming toward the house I was in, so I figured that I was at least safe for the moment. But then, I noticed him looking into the window of the house across the street. I can only assume that he was checking houses to see if people were home or not. A few minutes went by, and I could even tell that there were people home at the house he was checking out. By the time he realized, I noticed him do a 180. He was walking in my direction now. I was about to be face to face with this man. I saw him walking across the street and I immediately started to panic. I called the police as fast as I could and told them the situation, but they said it would be at least 20 minutes 
before anyone could be there. I ran up to the attic to hide. I locked the door behind me. In retrospect, this was my biggest mistake. I should have turned on a bunch of lights and made it obvious that somebody was home. I'm good at thinking, just not in the moment. The house must have looked uninhabited by the time I got up to the attic. I was in the attic for about ten minutes when I heard a window breaking downstairs. He was inside the house. My heartbeat was in my forehead. He walked around the house for a few minutes. Thud. Thud. I heard the humongous boots marching across the wooden floors. He explored the house for a good while. I was really beginning to wonder where the police were. Typical of them. I heard him get close to the attic entrance, and that was the moment that pushed me over the edge. I started screaming at the top of my lungs that I had a gun. I told him that I would blow his head off if he didn't leave the house immediately. To my absolute shock, he ran away. I watched him run down the street as I looked on through the window. It appeared that this guy was even more scared for his life than I was. The police eventually got there, and I told them the entire story from beginning to end. They said that a couple of people had been reporting this guy in nearby neighborhoods, so this wasn't the first night that he has been doing this. The police explained that this guy hadn't been violent on any of the occasions they had been called to. They said that it was about the seventh time this month that they've responded to a similar incident in a wealthy neighborhood. I guess he's going around looking for any easy way to make money? He hasn't been face to face with any homeowners yet, so maybe he isn't a violent criminal. Just a criminal? I found the entire experience really interesting, yet terrifying. Living through it was probably the most scared I've ever been. My mom, her friend, and their daughter didn't even come back early from their trip after it happened. I thought that was a lame move, but what do I know? For revenge, I ate every single pizza roll they had in the freezer. And if you're wondering, there were three bags of the 90 pizza rolls. I ate 270 pizza rolls that weekend, and I have no regrets. I sorely needed them after that borderline traumatic experience with that burglar.